Well, welcome. It's good to get into the Word this morning. And I want to I start this morning by just asking you a question. And that's this. Why have you come to know and love God? Or maybe what is it that opened your eyes to Him so He captivated you? It's a valid question, right? Um, some of you maybe have been... Uh, in a relationship with the Lord so long, like you're like, oh, that's going to take a little bit for me to remember. Maybe some of you are, are right there now. But I'm going to venture to say that there is a good chance that Romans 5.8 kind of answers the question for you. And Romans 5.8 says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so a majority of us encountered God's love, right? Uh, I know there are some, I'm in that camp too, that initially uh, I was scared into heaven as a teenager, right? It, was, it wasn't so much that God loved me, it was so much, if you don't get your act together, you're going to hell, buddy. And uh, so, so that was the initial step for me, uh, but after making that step, I discovered God's love. And so, um, how many know that fearing somebody into heaven does not result in them loving God. Right? When you, we fear somebody, it might wake them up to their current condition, but it doesn't produce a, a, a lasting relationship. I'm so grateful that after the first step, I did encounter the love of God. But maybe uh, you encountered God differently. And, and this is what I love about the body of Christ. It's what I love about God's love, is that we, we all encounter sometimes differently. I mean, maybe you encountered God because you had a brush with death. Or there was some sort of supernatural intervention in your life where you go, you know what? I should have been, but I wasn't. That should have killed me, but it didn't. I should have gone down, but I didn't. And it opened your eyes because of this brush with death or this supernatural event where you were awakened to who God was. Or maybe it wasn't that. Maybe for you, uh, you heard the gospel message or you read the gospel message at just the right time when you needed it, <clears throat> right? Maybe you were invited to church and the preacher was talking about something that, man, oh, how did he know that? How did he speak to that? Like you just, you heard or read the message and things clicked and your eyes and your heart were opened. Maybe for you it was an intellectual pursuit. I know several people who sought out to study and prove that the Bible was wrong. And, and they did it with an open heart, like, I'm going to prove that this is wrong. And as they studied and tried, all of a sudden, during their intellectual pursuit, they realized that God was who he said he was, and they, be, and they became aware of the real, true God. Or maybe you experienced the love expressed through a follower of Jesus Christ. An act of compassion, uh, a friendship, uh, a mentor, uh, somebody that you worked with that was just kind or, or gave a gift or you participated in that, where, man, just, it just amazed you that this person could overcome that. Maybe, maybe uh, they returned your sarcastic or hurtful remark back for something loving, something where you just you encountered God's love through another follower of Jesus Christ. But after responding to God, after you initially met God and took that step and responded to God, we discover a few things about his love. And 
Let me pause here and say, uh, this, what I'm about to share is not extensive. God's love is much more than this. And we should be on a constant discovery about God's love. It's never a, oh, I learned it, I'm done, let's move on. It's a constant. And so, if you're new to the faith or you're new to discovering God's love in your life, keep discovering. Um, it's not, not uh, if you haven't experienced the things I'm about to talk about, you will. We discover a few things. In Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39, Paul writes this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sleep, as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life... Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Man, that's an amazing scripture. And what we discover through the scripture and through experience is that God's love is permanent. That God's love is permanent. There is no circumstance you will ever find yourself in that will separate you from the love of God. There's no hardship, no lack of resources, no maybe you have a lack of food or, or clothing or money or car or any of these kinds of things that's going to separate you from the love of God. There's, there's no hardship in physical ailment. Maybe you find yourself fighting a, a disease or arthritis or heart condition or any other kind of physical ailment that's going to separate you from the love of God. There's no external persecution. There's no pressure from society that's going to separate you from God's love. There's no oppression. There's no abandonment. There's no amount of loneliness that is going to separate you from the love of God. There's no unhealthy relationship that you're in that's going to cause God's love to disappear. Whether that be a relationship with someone of the opposite sex, a family member, a co-worker, or whatever. God's love is permanent. There's no poor decision that you can make that's going to separate you from the love of God. There's no mistake you've made, no lapse in judgment that's going to cause God to stop loving you. There's no inner turmoil or issues such as doubts or questions. There's no poor attitude or bad thinking that's going to separate you from the love of God. There is no mental health issue that will separate you from the love of God because God's love is permanent. God's love is permanent. Nothing can get between it and you. Amen. Amen. There's no circumstance you find yourself in that would make God stop loving you. Ever. It's permanent. The second thing that we discover about God's love in Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, Paul writes this again. But because of his great love for us, 
God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. What does the scripture reveal and what do we know? That God's love is powerful. I mean, Paul just writes, he made us alive even when we were dead. I mean, how does life and death, that's power. So God's love exchanges, he takes our death and he gives us life. God's love also heals and restores. God's love even transforms the hardest of people. God's love defeats all forms of evil. I mean, God's love does what we cannot do. God, because God's love is powerful. There is no force in heaven or on earth that is greater than the power found through God's love. It's what motivated God to send Jesus Christ here. It's the same love that, that has saved you and I. It's the same love that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in heavenly places so that you and I could be children of God. His love is powerful. The third thing to discover about His love, here again in Ephesians, but chapter 3, starting in the second half of verse 17, Paul says this, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all God, the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The third thing we discover about God's love is this. His love is endless. What do I mean by endless? Is you cannot exhaust the love of God. He will never grow tired of loving you. Uh, there are no excuses God will make to say, well, buddy, uh, sorry, you went too far. We're done. That's not God. You can't exhaust the love of God. Uh, the love of God has no boundaries. Meaning, you can venture as far as you want into God and you're never going to reach the end of His love. Nor is there a boundary that says, uh, you've crossed the line now from love and not love because you went too far. God's love is, is endless. There's no boundaries. You can never go too far and you can never get to the end of it. It's endless. And it goes beyond your ability to understand it. I mean, even in this short synopsis of God's love, we're like, why would God do that? Right? It goes beyond our understanding to explain. Sometimes you just can't explain the love of God. You just have to experience it. You say, I don't know why God loves that way. I don't know why God responds that way. I don't know why God would die for a sinner, somebody who hates him. It goes beyond our understanding because God's love is endless. I mean, how incredible is the love of God that has been poured out on us through Jesus Christ? We have received a love that is permanent, that is powerful, that is endless. It's amazing. When Jesus was on this earth, he, 
He called uh, 12 disciples to him and he spent three years with them. Three years loving on them and teaching them and showing them his example. And on the, the night he was betrayed, he, he pulled them aside and he, he taught them, he gave them a new commandment, and then he prayed for them. And in John 13, 34, we read this new commandment. It says this, a new command I have given you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And we get this command to a degree. We say, yeah, God says we should love each other. But you and I both know that, that uh, culturally, um, historically, all the relationally, there's, we have so many different definitions of the word love. Right? Somehow we can love our mom and chocolate chip cookies. Right? And hopefully we know that's not the same kind of love, right? Because if you love a chocolate chip cookie the same as like you love your mother, your mother's going to be very hurt. Right? So we know this, which is why it's very important the second half of this where Jesus says, as I have loved you. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, I am the example This is how you're supposed to love each other. The way that I have loved you, this is how you love each other. He gives us this example so we don't just get to pick and choose and say, well, I don't think that is love. I think that is love. I think that is love. Jesus said, listen, the way I have loved you, this is the example. In this way, go love others. In the same way, as I have loved you, permanently, powerfully, endlessly. This is how we are to be towards each other. Now you may ask the question, well, who is the one another that he's talking about? Maybe there's a disclaimer or a disclosure there. Well, Jesus answered this question in a parable. We're not going to turn there, but in Luke 10, 25 through 37, somebody asked him the same question. They said, who's my neighbor that you're talking about? And he tells this story about a man who gets beaten up and robbed and three people who walk by him. The first two people are from his own people group, his own nation, his own culture, his neighbors. And the third one is somebody who's of a different um, uh, culture, uh, a different part of the country, really they consider maybe even a different country altogether. And this person stopped and took care of the guy and took him to the inn and took care of his wounds and paid his bill. And Jesus was basically saying, listen, who's the one another? Whoever you come in contact with. The people in your surroundings. Now there are other words in Scripture, if you're scripturally astute, that you know that Jesus was talking about love for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And you know what? That's primary. Because he actually says, listen, if you can't love those who are like you, how are you going to love people who aren't like you? So really, the practice needs to start in-house. But when we're talking about who are we supposed to love, is there a disclaimer? God answers it in in the story of the Good Samaritan. Why is this important? Why is this, why is this love piece important? I don't want to... I mean, I know we preached several months ago when we went through this in Ephesians. Because 
what, we just asked the question we started, what is it that brought you to God and changed you so that you became captivated by Him? His love for you. This is important because God's love is the only thing that's powerful enough to bring lasting change. It's important we get a grip on this and a grasp on this because as 1 Corinthians 13 says in the very beginning, we like to jump to the part where it says love is, love is, love is. But in the very first couple of verses it says, listen, if I am the most eloquent speaker that ever existed and I'm intellectually astute and I can mouth great words or I can pen great blogs, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I'm the most powerful person around and I'm this awesome, dynamic, charismatic leader that gets people together and does all these things, but love's not involved, it means nothing. That's what the first part of 1 Corinthians 13, so all of the incredible, awesome giftedness and things that we can do and abilities that we have, if love isn't a part of them, it means nothing. And so we have, to, we have to understand the love component of this, that it is foundational for everybody, not just for, for you and not just for me, but for everybody who says, I'm a Christ follower. Love has to be the foundation of all that we say, think, and do. And we've talked about this before. We're not talking about this ooey, you know, gooey, you know, weird kind of hippie, whatever, love. It's, we're talking about 1 Corinthians 13, a love that's a choice, a love that chooses to be kind, a, choo- a love that chooses to be patient, a, a, a love that chooses truth, a, a love that chooses to forget the wrongs done against it. A, 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 these are the kind of love that we're doing, a love that seeks the benefit of the other person. You can read it, the description of it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The issue is this, that when we live with love as a foundation, it changes things. It changes us, and it changes the environment around us. I'm going to spend the next probably 10 minutes, 15 minutes, giving you some examples of people who understood this and applied it in some very horrific experiences. Because I want to show you That love is really our only option if we want to see change in ourselves and in the world around us. It is our only option. Otherwise, we just have this seesaw effect. Back, my way, your way. My way, your way. And it just goes on and on and no change really happens. First person I want to talk to you about this morning is a man named Richard Wormbrand. Richard Wurmbrand was a Romanian Lutheran minister of Jewish descent. Okay? So he lived in Romania. He was a Lutheran pastor, minister, but his heritage was Jewish. Gives you an idea. This was during the times, time of communism, and he was imprisoned from 1948 to 1964. You can do the math, that's 16 years he was in prison for simply preaching that communism and Christianity were not compatible. He just stood up and told the people, even on national radio, that he's, communism and Christianity are not compatible. And he was in prison for that, 
for 16 years. And for 16 years, he was beaten mercilessly by guards for his faith, as recorded in the book, Tortured for Christ. This is the 50th anniversary one. Uh, the, some of the pictures of the older ones have a hand up like this with a chain around it. But he wrote about his experiences. If you're a member of the church and you have Faith Life, you can go on the Faith Life TV and watch a one-hour Hollywood rendition of his life on there. It's, it's free. You can watch it. I'd highly recommend it. Um, it inspires you in a way that you, you can't imagine. But this man was, along with other ministers in Romania, it wasn't just him, but he was the one who wrote and penned it, that they, they chose, uh, they were beaten because they wouldn't give up the names of other pastors or congregation members. And they would be unspeakable horrors. I won't, I won't go online, but beaten and starved and frozen and all kinds of crazy, torturous things just because they preached that communism and Christianity were not compatible. And in all of that, he chose to love the guards as they beat him. Oftentimes, he and other pastors would, would ask the guards how their families were doing, would pray for the guard while they were being beaten, and just loved and loved and loved in return. Because of this, many guards later talked about after beating him, they would walk out in the hallway and break down and cry. Because how could they beat a man who was returning love when they were giving hate? Many guards came to know Jesus Christ. In fact, Richard Wormbrand writes that some of the guards who beat him ended up in prison next to him because they got saved and then imprisoned for their faith. It's crazy that just his decision to not return their hate but instead love them, even while being abused by them, resulted uh, two things resulted, one, in his mental health remaining, in, in him not losing his mind. But more importantly, what we're emphasizing here is it changed the men around him who were abusing him. Simply for his choice to love. Let me give you another example. This is a Harold Vocal. Harold was a, a chaplain in the U.S. Army in Korea. He ministered to 150,000 North Korean POWs from 1951 to 1953. You say, well, how was that possible? Uh, see, during the Korean War, North Korea invaded South Korea. North Korea were the communists, and South Korea was free. But North Korea wanted South Korea, and we had the Korean War. And so these were POWs, communist prisoners, who were invading Southern Korea but got captured, and so he took the opportunity to go into the concentration camp, well, not con POW camp, sorry. And here's a pit, one of those pictures where he's speaking sometimes at, uh, at times to 700 to 1,000 men at a time. And he chose to love them by telling them about God's love. You see, most people hated them because they were the communist invaders seeking to overthrow and their ideology was off from everybody else's, but... He saw an opportunity. And he went in and he loved on them. And he taught them the kids' song, Jesus Loves Me. I don't know if we even learn that anymore, right? But 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. He, he took a, a Korean hymn in their language and he set the words to that hymn, to, to that tune, and he taught them this song. He, he, he uh, talks about this account in his book, Behind Barbed Wire in Korea. Thousands came to believe in Jesus Christ as a result of this. Uh, they record, um, uh, 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 well, Tashana, he's famous, but uh, a theologian, Barnhouse, was actually a friend of his and had recommended him for missions work. And he writes, he writes in his commentary uh, uh, about Vocal that many uh, North Koreans, when released and, and given permission to go home, chose instead to stay in South Korea because they enjoyed freedom more than communism. That their lives had been changed, their mindset had been changed, and they were in, in love with God, in love with freedom, and in love with all that He was. In fact, on record, there are at least 150 of those prisoner of wars who became ministers around the world. Why? Because a man who understood that the love of God changes things chose to love people who were completely opposite than him and went in and just shared this love repeatedly over and over and over again to where thousands were changed. Probably for us, uh, the most famous person who, who took this idea of love and, and ran with it and made change was Martin Luther King Jr., who we celebrate tomorrow. If you didn't know this, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was a, an American Baptist minister. I mean, he received his Ph.D. right here in Boston at Boston University. And in fact, he and his wife, uh, you can read in his memoirs, he actually loved living in the North because of the difference between the South, but felt compelled, no, I have to, I have to go home. I can't live in relative comfort when my people are, are in the South being oppressed. But he refused to let hate drive him. This is one of his quotes. Love is only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And, and with this stance, as he encouraged those who followed his leadership to, to respond with love and not hate and to, and to do, have silent protest but still protest, and this approach just as... as Americans watched live on TV as these folks who were protesting were just responding with love and being beaten, and it broke the hearts of Americans. It brought real change. Now, I know there's more change that needs to happen, but in that moment, during uh, 1955 to 1968, while he led uh, uh, the, the civil rights movement, big change happened. Huge change. And it wasn't because he, he carried some sort of torch and spewed hate and, and encouraged people to go after people. He, he simply refused to hate. And he knew the power of love in a situation that it changes things. These three examples and countless others. I, could, I have books in my li uh, library. Corey Tenboom, who was a uh, concentration camp um, survivor who refused to hate the guards. Um, Harvo uh, 
Pavlo, I think is his last name. He was in a, uh, uh, a Bulgarian prison during communism. Same thing. Uh, there's just countless stories of men and women who chose love as their response. And in their choosing of love, two things happened. They were changed. They, they, didn't, uh, they didn't harbor bitterness or hatred, because we all know that when we're full of bitterness and hatred, it affects here, right? Right? It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to suffer. When we harbor bitterness and hate in our own bones, we're the ones who suffer, not the people around us. Well, sometimes they suffer around us, but we suffer the most. So, for one, it, it removed the toxicity from their own life. But two, it changed the environment around them. Men and women came to see the truth. They came and they met a God who loved them. They received a God who loved them. Their hearts were changed. Their minds were opened. Things happened. You see, what we know is this. The love of God poured out through Jesus Christ, working through his believers, brings real change. And we're not talking about change that just somebody else comes along later and says, you know, I didn't like what you did, now I'm changing what you did, and back and forth and back and forth. We're talking about changes in the way people think, changes in the way what people believe, changes in the way that people act. Because really, the real change begins right here first. Romans 12, 1, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because what you think affects what you believe. And what you believe affects how you act. So really, our actions are a symptom of our thinking. Good or bad. Our actions are a symptom of our thinking. And so when God comes uh, into our lives and we choose love, and we choose to respond in love, guess what? It challenges the way people think about us and about life around them. Doesn't it? If you're at odds with somebody at work, and they're expecting this back and forth, like, oh, this and that and this, and all of a sudden you just stop and you love them, like, they just, I don't know what to do with that. Which is the example of when we love somebody, the scriptural analogy of heaping coals on their head isn't that we do damage to them. It's just this uh, expression of, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe I should reevaluate. Maybe I should be a little ashamed of the way I'm treating this person because they're treating me kindly back. It changes. My challenge to us today is that Uh, as a church, is to choose love. Not just any love. The same love that God loved you with. A love that's permanent, that you refuse to stop loving. Like, no matter what happens, the circumstance I'm in, I am not going to stop loving this person or these people. Uh, or in general, I'm not going to stop. Or how about a love that is powerful? Understanding that my, my insistence and my consistence in loving people creates powerful change. 
The change in my life has come because people loved me. Not because people uh, beat me up and challenged me and raked me over the coals about something I did wrong or any of those kinds of things, right? Real change is when somebody comes along and, says, and, and is with me through, the, through the, all of it. They refuse to give up. It's permanent. It's powerful. And it has no bounds. It's endless. Let's not draw lines on where our love is going to stop with people. See, I don't understand what they're going through. I don't know this. They're saying a whole bunch of stuff, but love compels me to be kind. Love compels me to be patient with these folks. Love compels me to, to not remember all the wrongs they've done. Love compels me to seek the truth. Just read, like, let love compel us to be this and do this. And we will, we will see the change we all desire in us as well as the world around us. Let me close with this. I challenge you to choose love, and the reality is this. If you've never received the love of God, if you've never experienced God's love, um, it's really hard to give something you don't have. And I would challenge you, whether you're here or you're at home, to, to, to quiet your eyes, to quiet your heart, and just say, God, I, I've, I don't know if I've ever experienced this love that Pastor Steve's talking about. Can you either uh, give me your love or, or reveal to me where you have loved me that I, I, might, I might have forgot or, or neglected or can't remember or any of those things? But we receive the love of God by recognizing that while we were still sinners, that we, while we were enemies to God, He loved on us anyway. That in my thinking I was opposed to God or, or, or maybe you were neutral and you were like, I don't understand those religious folks. They can do their thing. Like That's still a mind that's opposite to God. That in all of that thinking, even though you were far, God still said, I love that person. And so he sought you out and, you, and, and he's seeking you out. And I encourage you to say, Lord, I, I, I'm yours. I receive you into my life. I, I receive your love. I, I, I'm so sorry that I, I, have, I have turned a back on you or I've ridiculed you or I, all of those things. I, I desire to receive your love today. And I, I encourage you to do that with God. And if you have received God's love, if you have experienced Jesus Christ and what he has for you, I, I ask you to choose to love in return. Not just the ones, people who are like you or the people who love you back, but just that love would be your foundation. It would be your guiding principle in life. That would just, it would be your response to, to everything. Not just in, in this arena. Like, oh, I'm only going to love the people at my workplace, but the rest of the people, you know, when I, when I get on a social media, I'm just going to, right, right? Like, like, no, 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 I'm Okay. Is that a loving response? Is that a response from a foundation of love or is this a response from a foundation of frustration or hurt or anger? And check yourself. I, listen, I have to check myself constantly. And you know what? When, I, when I'm not feeling like my response might be loving, I, I turn it off and put it down. I can't read it for the rest of the day. 
I just can't. It hurts my heart too much. You see, when we choose love, those are the decisions we make. If there's input that is toxic to us and it, it, it keeps us from responding in love, well, you know what? Maybe we need to cut that toxic input out. Take a break from it. But I challenge you to choose love because it's the only thing that's going to change. You see, sometimes, and I, and I promise you I'm closing with this, sometimes we're just waiting for God to change people. God, wish you would do that to that person. And God's like, you know what? I brought you. I want to work through you. Come on. Go have a conversation. Go engage that person. Like, well, not me, God. I thought you're God. Why haven't you? Like, we, like we're, we're just going to come and, and sit and wait for God to do it all so then that he can hand us this wonderful place to live in that's, you know, thank you, Lord. Like, that's, God's not operating that way. Jesus came, taught a few, said, go do. I'll see you in a few years. That's a synopsis of all of this. <laughs> That's basically what happened. (laughs) And he commissions us to take what he's given us and how he's given it to us and share it and change and give and do and create. That's what he's made us to do. So I challenge you that choose love. And you say, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? I'm like, well, I I would just respond, those are fine. Is love your foundation? Have you perfected that? Have you, has, is that firmly there? And if the answer is no, focus on love first. When you feel like you have that down, like, hey, generally, generally I'm not perfect because nobody is. Generally, I come from a foundation of love. I, now I can add things to my repertoire of how to live for Jesus. But love is our supreme effort. Let's choose love. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we thank you that you came to this, this world, this earth, and you loved us. I mean, you loved us permanently. You loved us powerfully. You loved us endlessly. And then just before you left, you told us, hey, in the same way that I have loved you, I want you to go love others. And Lord, we find that really difficult Not because we don't want to, but because within us we still have the virus of sin. And so, Lord, we end up falling into that realm that Paul talked about. The things I want to do, I find myself not doing, and all those kinds of things. And So, Lord, today, first and foremost, we receive your love. We remind ourselves of how deep your love is for us. We remind ourselves of how permanent it is that that there's nothing in all of creation, seen or unseen, that can separate us from your love. So we receive your love today, Lord. Would you make us acutely aware of that love? Remind us, Lord, of it constantly. Then second, Lord, we choose love We choose to respond and to emulate you and act and think. And our prayer today, Lord, is this, that would your Holy Spirit help us? 
Would your Holy Spirit help us overcome the, the biases in our own mind and heart or the, the, the past experiences that weigh us down or any of the things that would inhibit us from loving like you love? We ask your Holy Spirit to just come into our lives and remind us and empower us and prompt us and to love like you love. Because Lord, we know from Scripture and we know historically as we see in other people that when we love in this way, when we choose, change happens in our own life and in the lives around us. So Lord, today we commit to, choose, to choosing love we ask for help from your Holy Spirit to carry it out. Lord, I pray just as pastor here for the folks who are listening right now. I just, I, I pray, Lord, for, for your spirit to, to be so powerful in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us to you that you would lead us into truth, to what's right and to what's true by you. I pray, Lord, for the constant attacks on our thinking, on our heart, on our ears. It's a consistent bombardment of the, the chaos in the world around us, Lord. I pray that you'd heal us and protect us as your people, that we would not grow jaded or bitter or tainted by the acts of people around us. Lord, make our hearts like children. Maybe a bit naive, leaning heavily on you with a joy that's contagious. Lord, we thank you. We love you for all the work you're doing, that you've done, that you continue to do and lead us pray that your name would be glorified in this in this place in your name amen